Good morning, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Marketing Crew. And uh, last week, we raised a topic that I don't think many people are talking about, and that is the cost of living. And um, I think it was one of our best sessions yet in terms of open discussion, because the cost of living is going to hit everybody. And uh, you read the papers and you see what's on the news and you see what's coming down the track and it's going to affect everybody. I read this morning and I, sh I should have it to hand uh, the number of people that have started cancelling Netflix and uh, all sorts of other streaming service uh, subscriptions. Um, I don't think Netflix and Prime are too worried because they'd put on about 18 million or 180 million new subscribers. And probably they're the ones that are dropping off. But nevertheless, we decided last week that people are uh, deciding, uh, looking at their, their expenditure. And the real thing that came out was value, value for money. Because when you spend something, you... you or when you're assessing what you're spending, you assess the value you're getting for that. And uh, I know I've cancelled a number of subscriptions, but one in which I'm trialling at the moment is YouTube Premium, which gets rid of all the ads. And I use a lot of YouTube and I'll be keeping that. So it's all related to value. And we talked about that. Um, and then we talked about pricing and uh, whether we should be looking, how we should be looking at prices, whether we should be looking at increasing our prices, lowering our prices, pricing installments, um, maybe subscriptions. Um, I've actually looked at something myself and uh, I thought, I wonder whether I should look at maybe offering, um, at the moment it's £37 a month, but maybe £97 for three months, which cut it down to 92. I don't think it makes a fundamental difference, but um, that's what you've got to decide. When you're looking at pricing, you've got to say, you know, how will it make a difference? And I think other things are going to make a difference, but I might still do that. Um, let me know what you think on that. Um, we also talked about the fact that you, we can't face this on our own. Um, it's not going to be easy to face it on. There's too many things distracting us. There's too many, too much pressure and stress on your own. And you do need a group. You need collaboration and you do need marketing collaboration. And I'm glad Anne-Marie's just joined the group because I'll be interviewing her later. But where I want to move on to is positioning. Uh, because if you look at anything that you buy, there'll be certain brands that you buy that are higher priced than others, but you, you value them sufficient to be able to pay for those. And they've made a conscious decision to be at a certain part of that market. So let's take grocery stores. Uh, you're looking at Sainsbury's and Tesco's or maybe middle market. You've got Waitrose up market um, and you've got Little and Aldi at the other market. And they're all attracting different sets of people. Um, if you look at Apple, for instance, I'm a big Apple fan. Nearly everything I own is Apple, apart from DJI when it comes to drones. But uh, Apple is significantly more expensive than what I call ordinary PCs or other devices. But I would never be tempted away from Apple because I've bought into that brand, that brand positioning. Uh, and I read something the other day, Apple never really gives deals and they never 
use the cost of living as an as a, as an as an excuse to increase their prices. They price all that in. Um, so it got me thinking about the whole subjects of price uh, of positioning rather, and which also then uh, leads on to where you see yourself positioned in the marketplace. So I thought I'd open up that discussion. Let me first of all read a definition. Positioning defines where your product, you, your item or service stands in relation to others offering similar products and services in the marketplace, as well as in the mind of the consumer. So you're in a competitive situation. Have you identified who those direct competitors are? And where do you stand in relation to them? Are you trying to compete on price? Are you trying to match prices? Are you looking to differentiate yourself, uh, et cetera? Um, a good positioning makes a product unique and makes the users consider using it as it as a distinct benefit to them. So what we've got from that is um, positioning against the competition and uniqueness, differentiation, etc. So I thought I'd open that up as a as a uh, general discussion, and uh, and we've got a couple of people on here that are very much into branding. We've got Marcus uh, that knows about branding, and you've got Martin who is um, who we I discovered. I think I'm the only lone voice at the moment, but. He you know, I see him as 360 degree positioning uh, branding because wherever you look, he'll help somebody. Wherever they look, he'll help them bring their brand out in design, in the, in the various ways in which we look at people. So I'd like to begin on that, about what they feel branding is to them and, and, and their own story about their own branding before I choose somebody. Go on, that's it, Jason. Well, I can jump in. So I've I've inherited a brand identity, obviously, with our basements. They're reassuringly expensive, and I'm obviously working on understanding more of the product and the marketplace. Um, but yeah, I'm. It's basically like trying to sell a Ferrari without people understanding what the value differentiator. And there's lots of technical reasons why. And obviously, I'm I'm, I'm looking to use social proof as a big part of that about why the investment is maybe so much more valuable up front. Um, but certainly, as you're probably all aware, in the, in the construction industry, prices are, are skyrocketing, skyrocketing everywhere. Um, but at the same time, when people are building houses, then so are the prices of houses at the moment. Of course, that's never going to carry on indefinitely. Um, but yeah, I'm at the moment, the company kind of stand by their prices, but that's the, the area of, of focus I've got is actually creating content that tells more of a story about why it's actually worth investing. Um, as, as you shared with Paul, uh, the reason that you, you know, I've been a real Apple fan, although at the moment I'm on my, my Chromebook and my Apple died, um, my Apple Mac. But I know that it solved a really good problem. And, the, you know, the, the, when I shifted from PC originally over to Mac, I spoke to several business people that were kind of were going to have a similar use case to me, and they'd all made the same jump. And I was happy to pay more money because I knew it solved a series of problems. And that was having a, a kind of a fixed um, ecosystem where I could kind of trust everything that worked because I didn't want to have to worry with the tech. And that's you know, one of our big kind of messages is that we, we solve a whole series of problems and basically just give us the problem and 
we'll take care of everything. We're a single point of contract, single single point of contact, fixed price contract, and we can deliver end to end. So, and and for the people that want that, so that that's my message is standing by that price because the brand solves that particular problem. I mean, when you said you were reassuringly expensive, is that is that's not a company statement, is it? Is that that your no, own? No, that's me. Um, <laughs> I realize what, I still ask for. From what I can see, the company statement seems to be the Germans' largest manufacturer of of basement prefabricated. The, their their strap line is is market leader in basement construction, and from my point yeah. of view, that's a really poor marketing message because it's all about them as a company. It's nothing about the customer. So if you look at my LinkedIn profile, that's interesting. I've, I've, it's your trusted partner in basement construction, yeah. so, which is a step towards reassuring the client. But yeah, I don't like their, their marketing. Because yeah. I must admit, when you say reassuringly expensive, you're more of some, and certainly, you know, it's not for everybody. It's not for your basement no. prices. Uh, it, there's, there's a certain amount of exclusivity there. There's always mm-hmm. a bit of an exclusivity being an Apple owner. Uh, it was yeah. Anne-Marie first, then Rod. Hello, morning, everybody. Hope you all had a lovely Easter with lots and lots of chocolate. <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> I didn't have my first hot cross bun until two days ago, which is really poor form. Anyway, Jason, I wanted to ask you a question. Um, you said about content and what you what you need to be putting out there. For me personally, I haven't got the first clue what I would need to know to build a basement. So my first question to you would be, can I have a basement? So I don't know whether this is covered in your marketing or not, but that would be like an obvious starting point for me because I'm Mm. guessing it's like loft conversions. Not every house can have a basement. So I'm wondering if there's like a really simple checklist that you can go, have you got bomb, 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 then yes, you can have a basement. You might already do that, but it was just something that popped into my head. Certainly, yeah, for the very, very start of the journey, early days, it's the most fun, yeah, foundational question. Very good, thank very good. Uh, thank you, Emery. Rod? Yeah, I think uh, Jason's got a point. I think the um, when you start looking at the marketplace, and I certainly know in my marketplace, a non-fragmented approach is very much appreciated by the client because they don't want to see dozens of different people. They want to just deal with you. It's very personal. And it's something that you need to, as a solo trader, as I am, you need to hone in on that and really major on it, excuse the pun, but um, that, you know, is going to be you from the start to the finish. I mean, some of the challenges I have, um, and I normally get over them by going back to my insurance days and uh, do a fact find. So when I go and see the client, even though they've already, they might tell me what they want, we, we fact find it through and establish exactly what they feel everybody else wants, which is sometimes it's not about what they want, it's about what they want other people to see. And, um, you know, sometimes you can help them through that and uh, give them stuff that will add value. And then long-term, if you look at the marketing exercise, so uh, long-term, um, other people will see what they're having delivered and hopefully will recommend you in the Your sound's a little bit choppy at the moment, Rod. Um, I don't know whether it's everybody else has got that, but it's a bit muffled. Yeah, I heard that too. It's muffled. I mean, it's it's not it's not intermittent. It's just a bit muffled. Um, uh, thanks, Rod. And that to, to, and one of one of the areas I'm aware that I need to continue to be conscious of is I'm talking to people that will have a different set of challenges to me 
So the idea of talking about money for people that are spending one or two million pounds on building their own house, they're going to have a different set of challenges that I can't even begin to imagine. Whereas if I'm talking to someone who's at my level, if you like, in terms of my business aspirations or their income, we can talk about saving money or saving time or from a relative perspective. But the kind of people that at this level, they're either building a house for themselves or they're building a house to sell it to someone else. And there's two, two very, very different um, problems. But that's the key thing I have to get around as well is that my problems and the way I perceive this delivery of the service can be very different to to a client. And I, I've heard that in the, the marketing, sorry, the, the marketing analogy between what's the difference between a $10 watch and a $100 watch and a $100,000 watch. But actually for the, the guy that's spending $100,000 on a watch, he needs to know that when he walks into a room with the level of people that his peers that understand what he's wearing on his wrist, that's making a statement. And I realized now it's got nothing to do with having a piece of jewelry that, cause it, blings or whatever it's it's actually something very very fundamental that i can't understand because i wouldn't appreciate that you know it's, it's not my field but. i think if you listen to that uh, podcast that i shared with you uh, of rob baker wasn't um mm. it, it wasn't blair ends it was rob baker if you've listened to that about the questions about the gardening landscaper the real answer for you jason is knowing the questions and gathering that with mm wealthy people and people likely to to be shopping around for a basement it's uh, the more the it, it's you getting your research and getting your awareness uh that and you'll come up with the answers after that tracy you just re recently gone from corporate into starting out on your own did you give any thought to positioning you will have done you'll have thought you know where do i want to price myself uh do i want you know You've come to that, but once you've established your price, you've got to position yourself in some way to justify that. To get to justify that, you know, with me, I've talked in the past about getting in front of the right audience, but there's a lot more to it than that. There's positioning your own persona, your own branding, your design around it, all of that. Um, did I mean has that been something you've you've thought of or are thinking of? It's something I continuously think of because for me, that's the hardest part in some of this. Um, you know, I've done some work on trying to create a brand and I use Martin to kind of help me with some of that, with the colorings and the kind of way it looks on my website. Um, but kind of when you're a solo entrepreneur, branding is about you. So it's got to be every time I show up and how I show myself and everything else. So the whole thing about the niching and the kind of branding is something that I'm still working on because for me, I don't feel I've kind of got to that place where I'm comfortable. Um, but in all the conversations we've been having on marketing crew, because my messages have, have been kind of mixed, you know, I deal with mindset, I deal with customers, I deal with leadership and I deal with employee development. And I kind of, I've gone now where I'm going to try and focus just on the whole customer relationship, the customer experience. But actually, it's more than just customer experience, the individual experience. Um, so I've got to think about how do I make sure I'm saying that and I become synonymous with that. that but, the, that's interesting, that, because you, 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 you're customer focused now. Uh, and customer service. Of course, your mindset and your leadership in teams comes into it. 
So I think that's probably a good move. But don't beat yourself up about not, not knowing this. I mean, we're all in that. Well, maybe a couple are not, but uh, uh, a lot of us here, including me, uh, it can be a puzzle. You've got a lot of other things to think about. I know I purposely chose to take marketing crew down a particular route rather than copy the the four ends and the BNIs of this world. I purposely chose that different, but even researching this positioning, you know, I'm thinking there's a few other things I ought to be doing. Uh, Marcus, you, you, you help a lot of people when it comes to their, and I know people say that, you know, you're, you're from that imagery, but positioning is about image. It's not just the photograph. It's about image, how somebody wants to portray themselves to match the prices that they are uh, charging. Uh, has he frozen or has he fallen asleep? Oh, I think he's frozen. No, I'm, I'm trying to listen <laughs> to your question. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so uh, the question is, what's your take on uh, the common problems that you find when you speak to clients and they're talking about branding? Do they get to talk about positioning or just do they want a picture? I mean, how does that happen? Yeah. Well, obviously I'm a, I, I, I'm a branding photographer, so I, what I, the, what, the way I brand myself is important because obviously people are looking at me as to what, you know, how, how their brand could be or an example of a brand. But, but positioning, uh, do people talk to me about that? Yeah, well, I ask them the question who their market is, who they're, uh, who they're uh, trying to uh, appeal to. So th that does come into it in some ways I, i'm struggling with this uh, because there's there's quite a lot there's a lot to it uh, yeah yeah and in some ways you, you you can't control your brand because it's it, you you might think yourself as being one particular brand other people might see you as being another brand so you it's like almost putting something out there that you haven't got I can be careful saying there's too much control over it. I don't know. But positioning, I'm sorry, I'm not I'm really waffing here, aren't I? Um, <laughs> That's all right. That's I all right. It's, when, it's if, if you're dealing with a company like Parsons, for instance, you recently yeah. did some work with yes. Parsons. Okay. Um, yeah. Oh, by the way, I've had an apology from Nick and from Julian. Uh, I should have mentioned that earlier. Julian was our um, videographer that works in the political bubble. Uh, he's ending up doing a shoot last week and he's ending up doing some editing for four days this week, but he wants to be oh. back on. So, uh, oh, Jer and, and Jer Jeremy. So Jeremy. Jeremy, Jeremy, not Julie, yeah. Jeremy. And um, um, Nick has taken the opportunity for the extended break to take some time up in North Wales. When you were dealing with Parsons, did you, do they have a marketing department? Yeah. No, they and, don't. They don't, no. Right. When you're dealing with a company that's got a marketing department, do you ask what their branding strategy is? Do you, is that part of your research before you begin your photographic shoot? Yeah, that's a great question. I work with clients sometimes who have got marketing departments and have a clear brand guidelines laid out. In Parsons' case, not at all. In fact, I guide their brand with their, my photography. Strangely enough, it seems to be that they I did all their 
as I do all their images for them, they take on board what I do really. And I've sort of gone for a particular look that is based on the way their shops look. I would have thought, uh, and we'll come back to this because I'm going to share a few slides in a second, but I would have thought part of thinking about their brand is where they position themselves against Greg's. Yes. Yeah. You think? I had, had the that, that's the obvious competitor to me. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, they've, they, they, they've got, they got family values. They've got a warm, inviting feel to their stores. And it's just about capturing that in photography for me. But yeah, it is interesting. They haven't got a marketing department. And it's mm. and they they could probably they could probably do with them the amount of, you know potential of these. Mind you, they've survived since 1928 or something like that. They'll probably exactly. think who needs it, you know. But it depends where they want to be and go, you know, because uh, they well, they might they might not be envious of Greg's, but I mean Greg's is a massive company, and I've never been in a Greg's. Um, I think Paul. I think with branding, even though I've done a. As you, I've been doing over the last two or three years, a lot of research into it. I think you can overthink branding. I think you should just try and be as good as you can be. Well, we'll, we'll, and, we'll, we'll and, and offer value to your clients. I think right. if you can just focus on those two things, the brand almost becomes in, um, inherent. Well, you're probably right, and I don't want to over-egg the branding story because I started out from a positioning point of view mm. to either justify and, and maintain the value to your clients and future clients in the face of a, of a, of a, a price or a, an economic, economic stress. Uh, I think there's more so than ever we've got to have to think about our positioning in the marketplace. And if you call and, that, and positioning is part of branding uh, because we will be under, people will say, well, why am I spending that? Why am I doing that? You know, uh, Anne-Marie. And then I'd like to ask Martin's opinion and where his take from a branding point of view, because he does a lot of that. Anne-Marie. Yeah. Is, um, so what Tracy said actually made a lot of sense to me. Um, and I think, Positioning and branding, if you are on your own, a solopreneur, is very different to what you were just talking about with Marcus. And this is just my humble opinion, knowing nothing about the subject, because I think that for me, as Tracy said, how I turn up, how I present myself, how I appear, even though I'm not emblazoned in beginner book logos, is how people perceive beginner book. Because if I turn up and I, you know, look half decent and communicate well presumably to my mind that's going to be reflect people go oh yeah she seems all right so I will look further into the company whereas if you turn up on zoom and you're kind of eating with your mouth open and you've got various bits hanging out that shouldn't be hanging out it doesn't really want you know it doesn't make me want to work with those people so I'm automatically branding them if you want to talk positioning at the lower end of the positioning market so is it a bigger piece of work than just colours, logo, et cetera, et cetera? A brand isn't a logo. A logo isn't a brand. You know what I mean. I just... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, but I only mention that because a lot of people think, oh, I'll put a logo up. Uh, a logo can tell you an awful lot about the brand. Um, your, your logo says children's books to me. My logo is changing. 
good. <laughs> oh, that's really harsh, Paul. No, 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 no. Good. Martin, it, can you support me here, please? <laughs> so coming up, it wasn't meant to be rude at all, but that, but a brand, a logo says something, but it's all part of the brand. And if you want to, uh, to, I sent you some detail. I sent you a, uh, a link to a website. I don't know if you've picked up on it. I don't know much about that brand, but the minute I saw that website and the overall and the pricing, I thought these are serious operators. I mean, they're talking about £3,000 for a book. Um, can you see, and that was in a, that, you know, so how do we create that for you? Uh, how do we create that for any one of us in that way, you know? Um, Martin. Um, yeah, I, I, I sort of agree with Anne Marie in terms of when you start out, you are the brand. But like you say, I think you have to reassure customers. And if you're not doing that with the way that you look, I don't think you can then progress necessarily. So I think you have to align not only what you are doing, but more and also align with your potential customers. So I think it's really important that you, that the way you look and it, that it's consistent across all touch points as you go forward. So you start as yourself, but then if you employ somebody, you want to make sure that they are, that the message is then consistent, that, that yeah, that, it then carries on. And then if you employ another person or you open more chains of shops or whatever you're doing, that, that each time somebody sees that, they feel, feel reassured in, in the consistency of the way you look and that it reflects your market. So, And, and if suddenly somebody does something slightly different or, or and it just is off-brand, it, it suddenly gets you jarred a bit. Uh, I mean, I'll give you an example. We all know Brad Burton. If Brad Burton was to turn up at an event like I do with a suit and a tie, you'd think, what on earth's happening? Because he is like um, T-shirt, bit of a bother, you know. That's his brand. That's part of his brand. He never changes from that. Um, so it's not just how you look personally, obviously. It's how you how everything pieces together. And that... Yeah, it's a little it was, bit. It's a little bit like when somebody has a typeface that they get tired of it, so they and they put three or four typefaces on on, on a document with three or four colours because they like them, etc. And the whole thing looks like a dog's dinner. And it's also the brand is, um, yeah, how you brand is basically how you pick up the phone, you answer the phone, like Anne Marie said, how you present yourself how your employees talk to your customers. But then to back that up, you have your brand identity that reflects the quality of your service. And if you've been uh, enjoying a particular market, as I know Anne-Marie has, and has been successful with that sort of personalised individual consumer for the main, and you've said recently you want to go for more businesses, You've got to think to yourself, and that's probably the reason for the redesign. Uh, has, have you had any further discussions about how the brand might develop or how a brand might develop? Um, well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm working with Anne-Marie on, on this. And it's, yeah, I wanted uh, to make it 
people will know that it's beginner book, but they also need to know there's a slight differentiation between the two markets. And and I, I mean, I know um, sort of Anne-Marie is attached to her original logo, but it was also, I agree that you need, it needed to move forward slightly, that, um, that maybe it did have a sort of, or I've, like her website maybe looked quite sort of, um, more sort of Jane Austen. They didn't look business. You know, they, you you have to speak to your customer and yeah, and yeah, that, and yeah. that hat, you, we, um, we we do become attached to things ourselves because of the way we like it. It's a bit like Jason says, you know, we're comfortable with certain price values because of ourselves, and we don't think anybody will pay more than that. You know, or, or or it's a bit awkward to ask for more than that. It's like three thousand pound for a book. How would you feel about charging that, uh, Anne Marie? Apart from delighted, but um, now I would have absolutely no issue with charging that. Um, Good. I, you know, twelve months ago I would have curled up in a ball under the table and said, "Go away." Um, but no, now no problem at all. Well, that's the first step forward, isn't it? It's got to be his mindset. Let me just sh- let me move the conversation on and see what we make of this. I'm going to Paul, share. I, sorry, Paul, can I just say, I think Zoisa's got a virtual hand up. Oh, I beg your pardon. It's because I can't see her. I didn't see that yellow hand. Zoisa, beg your pardon. Thank you for that. Great to see <laughs> you. And you. Um, I think the idea of positioning is a really interesting one. Um, and I think it's... It's a moving beast um, because I know that where I positioned myself when I started my journey as a Pilates fitness exercise instructor was among the crowds initially because I started off working in leisure centres. And then as I've grown and evolved, then actually my positioning has changed. And I think just like um, Anne-Marie has just mentioned, part of your I think your mindset and your approach is also connected to where you position. And there comes a point in time for me where I feel that you're, it's different choice points. So maybe initially when you're starting out, wherever you pitch it is, you want to get the experience. So you may come to more of a generalized, like for, so for Pilates classes, I know some of them are like five pounds. Even that was quite expensive when I started out. And I started out, I think, when I wanted to go more on my own, um, more around the seven pounds mark. I mean, you're talking like 15 years ago. And that was expensive for here based in Wells. But actually, in the grand scheme of things, that was really cheap. Um, and I should have actually been up kind of near the 10 pounds. Whereas now where I am, it's like, well, I've just had, I've just at the beginning of the year pushed it up to 12 and I was like, ooh, there was still a bit of trepidation, but I feel that as well as kind of looks, I've, it's like, yes, there's a certain way that I present myself. And then sometimes it's like, there's an ideology of, or not an ideology, there's an image of, you know, should I look like this? So it's like some days, yeah, I am made up. Some days it's like, you just take me as I am. Cause actually it's not just, how I present myself it's what's what I give you what I see all my knowledge of my 30 odd years of experience and literally everything that I'm always learning um and that's what people pay for 
it's the knowledge, the expertise and experience. So it's like, for me, that knowledge and bringing that to light and educating people is so important in terms of where you position yourself because not everybody who offers your same service might have educational informative element and so it's if you're actually giving them on that level then that's not if nobody else is doing that or even thought about that then I'm like then you're higher up the game for me are they paying for your expertise or service um yes they are but is that what they're buying? What is it they take away? What is it? Is it exclusivity? Is it the relationship? Is it the fact you listen? Is it the fact they feel that much better? Uh, let's face it, you can go into town today and go into the city here if you, and you can, you can choose where you buy your coffee. Um, and you know that. You, there's so many coffee shops in Wales. You can go to strangers with coffee that are quite expensive, but the coffee is excellent. Uh, the coffee in um, the um, uh, the Bishop's Eye is again, and their pricing is expensive. Ten pounds for gin and tonic, um, three pounds for for coffee. Or you can go into Parsons, and for one pound fifty, you can get a coffee. So, you know, you've got that choice. There's competition out there. So, what is it they're buying from you? That would be an interesting conversation. I'm sure you know, but it's not what. It's not your expertise that they're buying. They're buying, they are, but they're buying it in a different form. It, it means something different to them than it does to you. It might mean reassurance or whatever. You see what I'm trying to say? <clears throat> yeah, I, I I see what you're trying to say, but it is also, um, it's also the quality of what I bring, that attention to detail. Um, and Indeed. also, yeah, yeah, and for me, it, it is... It is that, yeah, listening kind of goes into it. And it's, and yeah. It, it's, it's, and not like easy, it's not an easy one. I mean, I, I, I think I know what my experience, if I can talk about my experience that I can bring to the table, but that's, I don't think that's what everybody else here buys as being a member of marketing crew. Um, you know, it's maybe community collaboration, ideas, just, I don't know. I don't know. Well, that, just to pull on that, it, it maybe for anyone who's just, this is obviously a, it's a key distinction whether you're an established business with a client base or you're setting up and doing something new. But Paul, to actually ask that very question, because I can assure you, if you weren't here, I wouldn't be here. So yes, the collaboration is great, and obviously we're all in, like a church. We're all we're all add value to it. But there's lots of other places I can go, and I do go to get that. Yeah, well, yeah. I would say, and this is part of, you know, I've got ideas on where you might take this forward, but I think most of us would agree the value your experience is that you bring massive value to this and your perspective is, is really valuable because it's not something we can get elsewhere necessarily. Right. Well, that, well, that, therefore, that, there's a perfect example of me knowing what not knowing fully. You can't, in other words, and this lesson to everybody here, we can't assume that people buy for the reasons we think they buy. That's all I would say. And I, I'm making assumptions uh, that are obviously out of kilter. Ollie. Yeah, thank, well, you, I, thank you, Zoisa. Um, I was going to say that with your example, Paul, about you know, coffees and things like that, you can around here go out for a drink and it can cost, you know, 15 quid for two drinks. But I think for me, I'm buying more than just that drink. You're buying like the whole experience, aren't you? So 
like um, Jason was saying, marketing crew, obviously buying your expertise pool and your facilitation. And then also, yeah, that kind of community aspect of it also, it's pro- possibly more than like you said, Paul, like what you expect people to be getting out of this, we're probably getting a different thing. And I think, yeah, it's trying to understand that, isn't it? What um, What people are getting, what else they're getting from what you think they're getting, if this makes sense. So yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's obviously why companies very often will do surveys mm. uh, to find out a little more, get that feedback. Let me share this screen because there's some interesting things that, uh, and, and I'll share this document with you afterwards. Uh, I don't, in fact, I've, I've, I've looked at three or four different documentations and sometimes you can go, there's no end of stuff out there, but, um, you can get too involved and, you know, you, you'd be a mini marketing department, as, as Marcus has said. But I think some of these points are re- very relevant. Let me just. Um, I'm actually. I'm actually sharing. Uh, this is a document I download. I thought I th- You're just sharing, Paul. You're only sharing the header of that. We can't see the document. Well, it's only the header at the moment. Can you see Pro Brand Strategy Blueprint with Brandmaster Academy? No. Right. Um, All we've got is the toolbar at the very top. says my this, this the only reason i'm here paul it? is your expertise right is that can you see that now nope stretch the stretch the, the view screen down expertise. something like 15 millimeters high my expertise obviously is not running <laughs> with this for the moment uh is that better no Right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna read off some things here that I was gonna show you. Um, can you show you? Sorry, Paul. Can you show your whole desktop rather than just one of the windows? Right. Shut the porn down it. and yeah. <laughs> there you go. We got it. Yeah. All oh, right. Yeah, had it and uh, no, you lost it. I've got it now. Correct. Yes, there. Yes. Pro brand strategy. Yeah. Right. So I thought there's some interesting points on here. Uh, let me see if I can get it. Does it go fuller screen now? Still got it? Yeah. Right. Uh, this do- it's quite an easy do- document to follow. And I'm just, I'm just going to, I'm just taking screen grabs of some of the relevant points just to fire off. Jeff Bezos, I've, uh, I've used that before. Your brand is what people say about when you're not in the room. Um, and you'd like to know that there's a consistency of what people say. That is the key thing. Marty Newman, I've never heard of him before. Branding is the process of connecting good strategy with good creativity. Gary Vaynerchuk, I'm a great fan of his. Part of why you love your parents is because they loved you first. Brands need to do that. I thought that was very good. Uh, also read, uh, read, a brand is not a logo. Articles telling you what is a brand is not and leaving you with more questions and answers. Next one, if you look to the bottom bit, the only way to stand out is to identify, then offer what your brand does differently. And I think that is really key. 
And differently to whom? Differently to what? Who is your competitor? What is their strategy? What are they offering? And you either follow the crowd and be the me too, uh, or you decide that the way you do things differently is worth a price premium or a price advantage. They're my words. Once you identify what your key differentiator is, you need to build your entire brand messaging framework around it. So I, I think that previous slide and that is, it was the, is the starting point as far as I'm concerned. Um, if I think about marketing, I'm just using that as an example at the moment. Um, my competitors are probably BNI, uh, 4N as was, don't know where they are now, but the 4N person, uh, network events per se, uh, maybe you can help. Are they my competitors? Probably they are to a point. Uh, and therefore, where do I want to be different? Where does marketing crew want to be different? Well, it is already. I, I already had thought about that. Um, but for instance, I've started to do a lot of video work and drone work, drone videos. And uh, I'm thinking maybe I ought to research the local market for videographers and drone uh, flyers. Is, is there a market? I think there is. You know, who, who's the competitor? What are they pricing at? Should I come in at, you know, whatever? Um, and you would think the same. You, you need to think who, the comp who are your competitors? And by the way, your competitor isn't always the direct competitors. Uh, Cook and Co, uh, uh, the food people, their Marks and Spencer's food uh, meal deals, etc. They're not competing against other companies. They're competing against that night out in a restaurant. And I notice Waitrose, and and there's companies that build a, a pack that will send you this pack on subscription model uh, of raw materials, say, uh, all the different. Um, ingredients and you cook it yourself and uh, they've done and that their competitor is entertainment or their market segment is entertainment at home and i noticed waitrose have just launched a product in the same vein so that must be a very valuable marketplace so that's worth thinking about who is your competitor uh in the in offering what you believe you're offering and how can you offer it differently that is the challenge sometimes you need to we need to talk to other people about that. We pick and choose who we keep uh, who we keep in our lives based on connections, whether it's a person or a brand. And I suppose Apple and DJI um, are two of the people I keep in my life from a brand purchase point of view, along with Amazon Prime. Um, uh, Waitrose are on the fence at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> now, what, what, the, what it goes on to, and he, this guy builds a seven-step process, and I don't need to, you know, uh, reinvent the wheel here. Um, but what, step three is developing your messaging framework. In other words, who is the audience? Being clear, who is the audience and who isn't the audience? Uh, what, are they, what are they struggling with? What are the pain points? What options do they have? And what problems do they have with the options that they have? Um, what difference does your brand provide? And that, that's how people, new brands emerge because they realize that people have got problems with their existing options. Actual benefits, how they benefit from your help and how the benefit makes them feel. I like that bit because we buy an emotion 
and feeling. And I think that was what I was digging at when I was chatting when we were, uh, Zoisa was, uh, was on. Um, next session was developing a storytelling framework. Now, this is where um, Anne-Marie should come in. Um, write a detailed paragraph of text for each of the following. I'm not saying that these are definitive. It's just to get people started. You know, what's the existing life that they lead, leave? Uh, what obstacles is repeating a little bit of the previous slide. Um, the final straw before taking action. What's that final bit of frustration that they have to make them realize that they needed to deal with you? Um, how you'll help them with your brand, how you differentiate and, and how you help them. I think that's reassuring. Um, the challenge, what stands in the way of success? Remember, I've always said that, in sales, it's where are that you need to find out where they are now, where they want to be with your help, and what is it that stopped them? What has been their challenge? Because that's where the nub of the problem is. That's what stopped them doing anything before. And if you can identify that, empathize with that, understand that, and help them overcome that challenge, you're as good as the home. Transformation, how they'll change, uh, how they will change personally through the success they have in working with you how their business will change, how will that affect them, et cetera, and how uh, life looks like without the problem. Um, I think that's about it. There we go. I think they were the last of the problems. Um, yeah, yeah, it was. That was the last of the slides. But I'll, I'll share that document with you for you to to, to reflect on. Tracy, so so that that might have sparked some thoughts there. Um, and just at the top of the hour, I want to then start the interview with Anne Marie, and we might bring some of these things in. Tracy, so so Paul, I definitely don't see your competitors being the likes of 4N or BNI because I think what marketing crew is is something completely different. So I think your competitors are other branding agencies and other branding um, people that kind of offer experience in branding. Um, sorry, mar marketing. Um, that's interesting. So, so that that's how I see it. And I come here because I like the fact that this is all about marketing and there's expertise in the room that I can learn from. I don't come here as part of networking. It's a completely different experience for me. But um, that's so why I hesitated, I almost hesitated. But, you know, I, again, that's how that's how you can be competing in the wrong marketplace. That's mm -hmm. interesting what you just said there. Thank you for that. But the conundrum I've got when we were talking about kind of marketing and branding is like you put up some different scenarios. So, so um, Jeff Be Bezos, you know, who runs Amazon, absolute fantastic businessman. You can't take any of that away. But we all know that Amazon has a lot of kind of unethical kind of um, business processes behind the business, you know. And the trouble is sometimes consumers, you know, we had that whole issue about P&O when they sacked all their staff. And in my mind, I'm thinking nobody should ever travel on P&O again. You know, we should absolutely boycott it. But we don't because we still vote with our kind of our our, our money because we might want to use P&O to get from one place to another. And so we choose to do it, even though we dislike everything ethical about them. But on the other hand, there's companies like I went to HomeSense and I like HomeSense because they offer something different. But their customer services was atrocious and 
the 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 absolute fights I had with them to get something sorted was unbelievable to the point where I had to really fight for something. It was something small, but it was. And I, I kind of almost, well, I said to my husband, we're never shopping there again. He's going, oh, I like it there. You know, I said, I don't care. We're never shopping there again. Um, but the last person I dealt with actually did redeem HomeSense because she actually kind of put it right after three people had put it wrong, you know? So so there's some real issues about you can get really good services and, and a uniqueness about somebody. But when it goes wrong and how you're dealt with, and this is where all the emotion stuff comes in, you know, that really does depend on whether they're going to get repeat business or, or not. And it's the same with any when you go to restaurants and stuff, you know, how you're dealt with and what you get really does decide whether you go back there a second time or not. Well, I, you can tell that's coming from somebody that's passionate about customer service, because yeah. I would say with P&O, the people will vote with their feet uh, or not if it's important enough, if, if, it, if, if it identifies with their values. Um, and we make a stand on those things. Some people make a superficial stand uh, just to be seen, uh, to be a me too or whatever, but other people just stand by. And that's where values come in. But I can tell the more you talked about that, um, that's, that's an interesting subject, that, what you just said there about the importance. And you're dead right. You are absolutely right. I don't think people are being trained as well as they can to take care of that customer. I think that's gone out the window uh, generally. Uh, and I, I saw it through lockdown. So, but I think it's just to take that just a stage further because I think it's more. And I and I'm and I'm thinking about the word customer because it's about the interaction with an individual. Because I either become your customer because of the way you engage with me whilst I'm shopping around, you know, right the way through to the kind of end process. So, so we've got to think about. And I know we've had this conversation here, and kind of I think Ollie and Anne Marie have talked about their customer services and what they do when they're thanking customers after they've done work with them. And so it's that whole thing from before they become a customer right through to kind of keeping them engaged and repeat business. Yeah. That's why um, that's, it, it just fits in the whole mix, doesn't it? You know, you can, you can screw your brand up because of the way somebody answers the phone. Uh, I mean, Rod's told me some horror stories about his competitors and what people have said about his competitors. Um, what I was just sharing there, has, has that resonated at all with anybody else? That's Who obviously, sorry to say it's part of, obviously, when you look at your multi-step program, Paul, of the very first audience interaction versus keeping an existing customer. So Tracy was already in the shop, so to speak, and she's already maybe bought something, and they've obviously impacted that relationship partway through. So I guess there's two parts to this is, raising prices for existing customers if you've got repeat business and also at the front end, how you're positioning yourself while we're trying to acquire new customers. So I guess there's two, two parts to that. Thanks, Louisa. Marcus, you had a point. Yeah, you, about this slide deck. I mean, it's, it seems to me a real crossover between marketing, selling and branding within that slide deck there. And it's, it seems hard to differentiate between the three really, um, because they're also linked. I think if we, I, I think people can get just as some people can be frightened of marketing, they can be frightened of the subject of branding. In other words, they think it's for the big companies. Uh, so I chose the word positioning. You know, mm. how do people see us? 
Uh, do they see that we're worth it? Um, whatever pricing, you know, because because as some, somebody else mentioned, uh, we, we're not dealing business to consumer. We're dealing where you're delivering a service to somebody. Uh, and so you can't detach yourself from the way you are from... Exactly. Well, it, so we, I, exactly, I was going to just exactly say the same thing, Paul. We're all solopreneurs, or maybe what solopreneurs here, just about. Is our brand set in stone? Um, I think the <laughs> reason why we've ended up here is because we're talking about either maintaining our prices with our clients in the face of them having less money. So putting over that value and that positioning is key. Or if somebody's going for a higher price value for instance right now because i've been putting a portfolio and getting my experience in editing and and that with drone and drone stuff etc uh i'm i you know i i'm next to nothing it's a ridiculous price but i know that if that was to carve out a business my prices would certainly go up whether that whether i should just go up right from the word go but it's yeah are you with me so I, i'm i'm that's almost like a a test for me just to remind myself what it's like to start a new business. Ollie, you had a point. Um, yeah, I, those slides are really good. And for me, the reminder of the importance of the things I share, like on social media, my marketing to um, make sure they reinforce my brand message. And I, around where I am, I've got a couple of competitors, but they, they're right at the, the lower end, you know, they're doing websites for 150 quid, 300 quid. And, and I, I, I know the difference, you know, in it, you know, they look terrible and they just don't have the same expertise that I have. But there are certain people that just want a website and they want something for 150 quid and they'll do it. And I think, yeah, for me, this was a good reminder that I need to just make sure that my um, uh, sort of marketing, my, yeah, the stuff I put across on social media tries to emphasise the, the kind of difference between me and yeah something that's 150 quid and yeah but in a you know in a nice way that's not kind of yeah slagging people off but um yeah in a constructive way that shows what value i bring basically compared to that i i think one of the things that we've i think it's very important um is to be comfortable with with who with people who are competing with you um, because everybody that does a website isn't your competitor. Those people are, I think, as Tracy alluded to with Marketing Crew, those people are not your true competitor. Be interested to know who your true competitor is. Is there a, somebody that's got a higher price point, higher perceived value, offers more service? Is that where, you know, you might want to get, get into that positioning? Um I, I think mine's more um, are actually the like place where I used to work, you know, like small agencies are actually more my um, competitor because I see myself as offering the same value essentially, but there's just less of me. So I think that's the difference between me and, and them, you know, that some people like having a group of people that they can call upon, whereas it's just me. Um, but yeah, that's definitely where I see my um, competitors as being, so, yeah, slightly smaller agencies. Mm. although with the right sort of collaboration and people mm. you can offer those services um 
in a collaborated way, as, as we've discussed in the past. Let's do Martin first, then Jason. I mean, <laughs> sometimes people often do sort of like a brand map. You kind of draw an axis of uh, yeah. where you sit with your competitors. So, you know, it kind of goes from like uh, economy cheap to premium to brands I like or brands I don't like. And you then you can map out, put whatever logos or names in those different sectors and then put yourself where you see yourself in that map or that's quite a quite a good way of uh, you know visually representing wh where you think you are in the marketplace, and it and it it causes you to actually say you know what is it about that brand, you know what is it? That's part of the research, isn't it? I think the more you do that, you more start to think about yourself a little bit more. Um, Jason, you had a point on that, Ollie. It's actually as well. It's it's your competitor, but that also reflects where their clients are on their own journey. So actually one strategy you might consider is you could follow that competitor, check all the websites that they put backlinks on, see who all their clients are and write to the clients to say, congratulations on taking the first step on your digital marketing journey. You've done the most difficult thing, which is actually get a very basic website, which is brilliant. If you're interested in a consultation at any point in the future to talk about the next steps on a journey, it could involve your analytics and your tracking and is your website converting for you and da 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 so and then you then say where i come into the journey it's a bit like you're never going to sell a ferrari to someone that doesn't have a driving license mm. so we've all gone on a journey and that might be something else to keep in mind is where's the client on their journey as to whether they can appreciate you and you know you could build me the best website in the world but if i don't have a product to sell it's worthless to me at the same time if i've got a widget or a you know a phone case or something i'm selling and a better website it's going to get me more customers then of course i'll invest massively so that that could be a, a good strategy is to actually target those same clients there's a um it's got to be a, a, a marketing legend but the idea of the guy that fly all around town saying ten dollar hair ten pound haircuts another hairdresser that went around put stickers on the top and said we fixed ten pound haircuts <laughs> <laughs> there's a market there yeah yeah, I like yeah. That. thanks Jason. yeah i like that i like that right i hope that's given us all something to think about 